0: Without Jesus, we don't have the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is always about Him. He is the whole enchilada. And whatever else is pointed out in the scriptures is for Him, by Him, uh, for His sake. That is to say, He cares about His people. And so, He gives us also instruction how to... Uh, interact with our brothers and sisters and how to interact at work and how to interact in the restaurant and how to interact with unbelievers how to interact oh i shouldn't bring this one up in traffic (laughs) all over the place so it is always about him about jesus and so when we're speaking this morning we realize that without jesus none of this is possible so, sometimes people, uh, they, they say that they are living by biblical principles. That's not enough, brothers and sisters. You need to live by the principle. He's what matters. The principles are, are the things that he put in place to facilitate following him. But the, prin- the principles are not the principle. The principle is over the principles. So without him, the principles don't even have the power to change people. It is because of the principle that there is power. You can have all the light bulbs that you want. If there's no electricity, there, there is no light. So this is where we need to come from when we uh, when we come. To the Christian life. Last week I mentioned that it is, it is possible to live like a Christian. Without living the Christian life. My father. Best I know. Till about a month before his death. I tried to share the gospel with him. Best I know. He died be, not being a Christian. But he lived better than most Christians that I know. And yet it doesn't buy him one second in heaven. Unfortunately, I won't see my dad in heaven. And I loved my dad like crazy. I don't know that I respected any man more than my dad. And yet it is not about principles. It is about not about good deeds. It's about the principle So, all right, <laughs> we got a little serious over there. You got quiet. Um, um, so, see, yes, it is serious business. Yes, it is serious business. So, today, we're going to give you a, a couple of nuggets on marriage, and then we're going to talk about unity, unity. Um, so, concerning the nuggets on marriage, I want to I wanna share with you about the love of God and how incredible the love of God is. And I believe it is the greatest need of humankind. The love of God. That when people are loved with the love of God, it, it makes all the difference in their lives. The love of God. The love of God. I, uh, as we love each other that way, and as this love is distributed and... Um, to, to, to our brothers and sisters and other people. It, it, it makes for greater fellowship. It makes for more emotional stability, more unity, more security, more significance, more whatever you want to fill in there. Uh, good stuff. As we look at Lamentations three twenty two and 23, it says like this, it is of the Lord's mercies That we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Every morning, new compassions, fresh compassions, no expiration date. They don't spoil, they don't rot. Every morning, new compassions, new mercies. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. You might think that things that last that long, yes, that they might spoil. You think that they might get old, that they might get weary, that might be tiresome, that might be boring. Not so with the love of God, not so with His mercies. They are fresh and new every morning, very predictable. Every morning, fresh mercies. This is no comparison. But I tell you, uh, we have an orange tree in the backyard. And the ones that we can keep away from the possums, the oranges, we pluck them sometimes a little bit too early even because we, we, we didn't plant them there for the possums. If you want one or two, you're welcome to it. But don't take them all. So we pluck the oranges, and then Sibyl makes fresh squeezed orange juice. Like, like I said, this is no comparison. But I love fresh squeezed orange juice in the morning. When uh, through tennis, I've traveled different places, blah, 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 you have probably too. Uh, when we had uh, conferences in Florida, in Florida, when you stay at a nice, decent hotel, they always give you fresh, squeezed orange juice. Sometimes I'm thinking, I don't want to go to Florida for a little while. <laughs> Why well, you can squeeze orange juice? Over my- okay. <laughs> but I have such uh, fond memories of fresh, squeezed orange juice. Now, when it comes to the Lord, There are fresh mercies every morning. So that when we love one another with the love of God, this is a fresh, squeezed orange juice every morning. Every morning. I'm going somewhere with this thing. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church with the God kind of love, agape love, the unconditional sacrificial love that is indescribable. We do our best to describe it, but human tongue and human mind cannot describe it. Somebody said one time, could we with ink the oceans fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. You don't come out, no matter how much ink you have, no matter, she's not upset, she has to go someplace, okay? <laughs> somebody said, oh, somebody got upset. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're selling their house, and the realtor is going to be there, so she has to be there. So praise the Lord. Um, so this now this was written, according to many readings that I read, uh, there is a little bit of of uh, disagreement on this, but this was written, best to my uh, knowledge, by a prisoner who was imprisoned for his faith, and in the little opening of the door the little, little opening like this, they would send a little breath every once in a while. Uh, and one day that little cup didn't come back and they realized the guy had passed away. And then this is what I just told you about. This is the poem that he wrote. He didn't co- write it quite in this poem form, but somebody put it in poem form to make this uh, 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 a song. Um, and this is what he, what he wrote. It was impossible. A man who who was starved for his faith and writes this about the love of God. How great is the love of God to sustain such a one as this. And so, this is where I'm going with this. I, I told you the first portion was on marriage. When a husband loves his wife, With the God kind of love, it will do more for the wife's significance and security than a thousand conferences on self-esteem. You mark that down, brothers. You try it and see if you, when you love your wife like that, if there's a, a security and a significance that rises up in her. She doesn't have to go to any conferences on self-esteem any longer. And this is true, of course, in every relationship. As we love one another with the love of God. Then we build in them significance and security. That they can count on you. That you're available to them. That you're there for them. As sometimes people say, you got their back. The second thing that I want to uh, bring to your attention concerning marriage and concerning everything else, really, is let the Lord build your home. Let the Lord build your home. Psalm 127, 1 and 2a in the NIV read like this. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late. Toiling for food to eat. That is 2A, and it goes on with 2B. Um, so it, it, is, it is indicating over here that it is not really your rise up early and you stay up late, it is not really your work ethic or how hard you work that makes the difference in your marriage or in your relationships or in your home. It is that you let God in on it. That he is building this thing for you. And so you are not uh, building for God. You are building with God. You are not working for God. You are working with God. You are doing his bidding as he is building and involving you. Let him build your home. Because, as it says in the psalm, that otherwise you're laboring in vain. You know, I'm a strange cookie, maybe I'm not so strange, but uh, I hate working in vain. I hate working. You, you, have you ever worked stupidly? You thought to yourself, this is stupid, I should do it in a different way, so much easier. Okay? I hate working hard, stupid. I'd rather work easy, smart. Or if I work hard, smart, okay, I'm good to go. But you work harder, 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 only to find out that, oh, your ladder is against the wrong wall or something. Uh, 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 I remember so well uh, 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 around the tennis courts, there is these green screens around the tennis courts. They call them lumite. And when a, a hurricane would come, you didn't want to leave the screens up because the hurricane would either tear the screens or tear the fence, blow the whole fence away. So what you do is you go up a ladder, and clip the ties that they are tied with, clip, 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 and then ultimately drop the screen, tie it off on the bottom, so the hurricane won't take that because now it's this big instead of this big. Um, and so you clamber, and then it just so happened, I thought we had sharp clippers, but they were dull. We clipped and clipped, and my hand was hurting. And a friend calls, and he says, hey, I'm on my way to help you. I say, Steve, stop at Home Depot. Get the sharpest clippers that money can buy. <laughs> and so when he came, then now oh God, clip clip clip. Oh man, what a difference that made. I felt so dumb climbing up the ladder and clipping oh oh, versus clip 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 and, and be done with it. So uh, so I, I don't I, I I don't like working in vain. So I like to work and get results. And so when we let God build, and we build with him. There is the godly results. for God God is very capable of making a good home, a good marriage, a good relationship, and everything like that. Okay. Now then, we'll talk about unity. Unity is such a powerful thing in the body of Christ that the enemy does not want us to be in unity. And he'll do anything to bring this harmony and disunity in marriages, in churches, in relationships, you name it. In families. So I think it warrants that we often talk about unity so that we are reminded that not only has God something to do with unity, But as put instructions of him to us, we also have something to do concerning unity. And we'll talk about that. Unity, excuse me. Unity is sort of like a piece of dynamite. Um, Dynamite is used for what? To explode. But it's also used to implode. Right? So... When, when unity is on the scene, when unity is present, then some of these things happen when unity is present. There is an implosion. There is an implosion that is to say that if there ever was a wall between Herman and I, there's never been a wall between us. He's too kind a man. Uh, uh, between Herman and I, the unity just crashes, crunches, devastates the wall. There's no more wall there. We are in unity. There is nothing that, that holds us from each other. We are in unity. We're thinking alike, not exactly the same. We're thinking alike because we are in unity. Certainly, we have a purpose that is alike. And then you have the explosion in the body of Christ when unity brings an explosion, as we find in John the seventeenth chapter, that unity is one of the main. Oh, maybe that just doesn't use, just use the word main in John seventeen. But I I gather that it is one of the main things that God uses for us, one of the, uh, uh, the easiest things, so to speak, that when there is unity in the body, it is also a great evangelistic tool. And God wants the church to reach out. And he provided some tools for us to be able to have credibility out there to reach out. One of those tools is unity. So, uh, let us say over here. So, let me just give you uh, my definition of unity. Uh, I always like to come up with definitions because I feel like it is easier for me to remember. It, it gets me to ponder about things so I can put them in a definition. So, and then it makes it maybe easier for other people to understand it. Um, otherwise, it's just the word unity. Can anybody come up with the, a definition of unity? It's hard to come off the top of your head. You have to ponder it. Yeah, that's that. that, Yeah, you have to ponder it. Uh, You have to ponder it so that you can not only include what unity is, but by definition exclude what it is not. Right? Right? Yes. Unless somebody is mistaken. Now, of course, you cannot, what you don't want to do is make such a long definition that nobody can remember it anyways. (laughs) So you try to just make it concise so that people can it make sense to them even if it is not completely complete. It gets the idea across. So my definition is this. The oneness in purpose and in spirit of those who are made up of diverse people. Or that which is made up of diverse people. So when you... Have a definition like that, it tells you all at once what unity is and what it is not. So, let us talk about what it is not first. Unity speaks to the idea that there is more than one, at least two. For, for you to speak and for the word unity to have meaning, it requires more than two people. Unity is not uh, uniformity. Unity is not conformity. U- uniformity and conformity are fine, but in themselves, they are not unity. Unity is broader than that. Matter of fact, when there is conformity and when there is uniformity, then unity is not as great an achievement as it otherwise would be. Right? Does that make sense? Okay, l- let me let me explain. <clears throat> when there is uniformity, what does that mean? Uniformity? They're all the same. Okay? When we're all the same, shame on us if we cannot bring unity. <laughs> when we all conform to one another, so we were different, but now we're conforming to one another, and we know we're all the same, then. Unity is no big feat. We should be in unity. But do you know that even then, unity is difficult for people? Even though they are the same. Even though they have the same mother, the same father, the same uncles, the same grandparents, and still it is difficult to be in unity. Even though they have the same Savior, Savior, The same God. It is difficult for them to be in unity. But as we'll see in the scripture, God didn't take any chances. He provided the unity. We'll look at that in just a little bit. So let me look at my notes and see what else we need to talk about before I go there. So, then, the oneness and purpose means this, that in the, in the large purpose of things, so if it comes to the church, our large purpose would be uh, to uh, evangelize, right? Evangelize, tell other people about Jesus. Yes? yes? And then the second thing about the church is that those who have come to Jesus, that we ought to disciple them, so that they can walk like Jesus. Yes? That is basically, when you bottom line it, these are the two uh, purposes for the church. Now, each of those, you can break them down and subdivide them in many different ways. Okay? What is the way to evangelize people? Somebody says, well, handing out tracts. Somebody says, well, go to prison. Uh, You have to, oh, well, in in the elevator, you should be able to... Share your testimony quickly so that even in elevator you can share the gospel. Um, okay, different ways of sharing the gospel, right? You, you, you invite people to a function and, and share the gospel. You get people over there, share the gospel. We go to the prisons and share the gospel. Uh, 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 I mean, <laughs> I was going to say it, but it sounds funny. You have, kept, you have a captive audience or whatever, but, but I, I didn't mean it in, in, in that that's funnier sense. I meant it in a serious sense in that when the guys come, when they come out of their cell and they come to the yard, to they know exactly what they're coming for. They're going to hear the gospel. So they're coming for that. Um, anyway, so different ways of sharing the gospel and different ways and different ideas about discipleship. I was in a meeting about a year ago or so with some pastors, and the leader uh, brought up the idea of discipleship. What is discipleship? And there were as many different ideas as there were pastors. About discipleship so I have also my ideas about discipleship so we in purpose we we agree that it is it's about evangelism and it's about discipleship but we may not agree as to how we're going to accomplish that right you might have an opinion I might have an opinion she might have an opinion he might have an opinion they might be all good opinions and if we are in unity then we bring those opinions together to the table and discuss and see, how are we going to do it with what we have? Right? Um, many years ago, I was in a church, a wealthy church, and they were advertising an event in their church. And the posters and the flyers that they had I just laughed. Say, we, we can't afford this in my church. They're, they're too high quality. We can't afford that in our, in our church. They're too expensive for us. We have to go with, with the little black and white thing. Or, you know, we can't afford 2,000 colored printed things. So these are some of the limitations that we have. So if somebody brings the idea concerning evangelism that we should have colored printed things, 2,000 of them, Sorry, we can't do that. Okay, well, 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 okay, well, let's let's adjust. So you come with your ideas, but the 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 oneness of purpose. So we agree about the purpose, but we don't quite agree yet as to how we're going to accomplish that purpose. We come to the table. We're not fighting about it. We're coming to the table and discuss how can we bring this to bear. The oneness of purpose. The oneness of spirit means this very thing that I just said. We're not fighting about it. Our spirit is united. Our spirit is right. So nobody comes with the spirit of that I know better than somebody else. Nobody comes with the spirit of I, I've been here longer than anybody else. Nobody comes with the spirit of I'm the youngest of everybody else. Or I'm the oldest of everybody else. Everybody comes with a spirit that is not going to be strife. We are one in spirit. We can disagree, but we cannot be disagreeable. This is true in every relationship. Unity. What I have noticed among the brethren is that when God has given us a piece of the puzzle, we think we have the whole puzzle. We think, I got it. And he thinks, he got it. And we fail to know that God has given us a piece of the puzzle, so when we can put it together, oh, that is the whole picture. But there is so much that goes on in churches. Are you familiar with this? I don't want to discourage you in any way, but... There's some raunchy stuff going on in churches. One of them is caused by disunity. And the disunity is caused by a lack of humility. So, so oneness in purpose and in spirit of those who are made up, of, uh, that which is made up of diverse people. So these are people that are diverse. Sort of like the crowd here this morning. We have some older ones, some... Some silver-haired ones. We have some blonde ones. We have some dark-haired ones. We have some dark-skinned ones. We have some lighter-skinned ones. We have some medium-skinned ones. We have tall ones. We have short ones. We have some that have, that have uh, a little bit of money. Others that have no money. Uh, you, 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 you name it. A diverse group of people. Thank you, Jesus. This is my true, my true thankfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Because that is when it counts for there to be unity. Diverse people. Different people. Different backgrounds. All kinds of different things. And yet, they can come together and be in unity. 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 My dear brothers and sisters, unity is such a powerful tool for the church that the enemy does not want unity for the church. And he'll do whatever he can <clears throat> to bring this harmony and this unity. Whatever he can. Whatever, whenever he has a chance to do it. And even when he doesn't have a chance to do it, he tries to do it. So, uh, then, uh, let's look at a verse. huh? Um, what I've been talking about is really not outside the realm of the, 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 the spiritual. Uh, it is all there in, included in the scripture and in experiences that the Lord has, has shown and brought to bear. That what I have shared with you so far. But now we're going to a scripture and look at that, and we're looking at Ephesians four three. Four three. Ephesians four three, and endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's five words over there. Five words slash phrases that we're going to look at. Endeavoring, keep. The unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. But we're going to change the order. We're going to first look at the word unity, which we already have done. Then now we're going to look at the word of the spirit. Earlier I told you that God didn't take a chance with us. That he has already provided the unity for the body. The Holy Spirit has already provided the unity for the body. The Holy Spirit is smart. He didn't want to take a chance. He says, you know what? I'm going to provide unity for you. By my spirit, I'm going to provide unity for you. And then I'm going to give you some... uh, some responsibilities as well. So, but what I want to encourage us as Paul is encouraging us also is that Sibyl and I are in unity. Sibyl is my wife. If you don't know. We are in unity. We're not always in full agreement necessarily. But we are in unity. And what our idea is, is, is about unity, is we try to protect it. We try to safeguard it Amen. because this unity brings a lot of havoc. Right? So we wanna we wanna safeguard the unity. That, that's what Paul says. But keep it, keep the unity of the Spirit. So, but the Spirit has provided already everything that is necessary. For there to be unity. But he's telling us, hey, I have given to you, get to obtain it. I mean, and you have to maintain it. I have given you the opportunity to get it, to obtain it. You get to maintain it. The word keep over there means to maintain, to safeguard, to protect. To If you want to use the word fight, not with the, the, the weapons of the world, but fight with the weapons of the kingdom of God. Uh, battle whatever it takes. We are to battle those who are trying to get in into our unity. You see what I'm saying? If somebody tries to come between the, the two of you, you ought to battle that. Matter of fact, I'll be part of that party that will battle that. Nobody comes between the two. And And so, when We have to safeguard it. So, now, what are some of the ways that we safeguard it? Okay, if you sense that unity is fixing to go south, yes? Um, uh, We, Doyle and I, have, we're talking and there's a little bit of stress coming in our conversation. We're disagreeing uh, vehemently and, 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 okay? And the volume comes up a little bit and the intensity comes up a little bit there is a risk that the unity between us might be splintered. Yes? You follow what I'm saying? One of us, if not both, hopefully both of us, when we sense that, immediately we go into protection mode because we don't want anything to come between us. You follow what I'm saying? We turn down our volume, our intensity, relax a little bit, the color in our face instead of red, They'll get it back to normal. Uh, these type of things. So that we are fighting and battling this unity. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you <clears throat> that battling against this unity is worth every effort. Keeping the unity. And then Paul says another word. I used the word effort just then. Paul says, speaks of a great effort. He says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Endeavoring. The word endeavoring over here is like, it's not the best word in English. Excuse me. Because endeavoring sometimes, you know, I've taught and coached tennis all my life, and uh, some guy comes up the court and, He said, I tried, coach. (laughs) He didn't try. He didn't try hard enough. He had a chance to win or a chance to have a better chance to win. But he, he sort of gave up. He gave out. He sort of threw in the towel. The word endeavoring over here speaks about a great effort. A great effort. Because churches are, they can go to the end of the world if there is unity in the body. But my dear brothers and sisters, if there's no unity in the body, you're not going anywhere. If there's no unity in the body, well, some are going somewhere. Some are not coming here anymore. Oof, they're gone. They're gone somewhere else. Somewhere else, somewhere else. I mean, unity is attractive. Unity brings an atmosphere of joy, brings an atmosphere of peace and peacefulness. Unity brings an atmosphere of, uh, of contentment. That's what I tell people out there that are asking about my church. Hey, hey, how is your church doing? Now, when somebody asks you, how is your church doing, you have to ask for a definition. What does it mean, how is your church doing? Because for the most part, they mean, how many people come to your church? They mean, you know, are there any new people that are coming? Uh, Or they mean, are are you building? Okay, all of that is fine. So I tell them, well, you probably mean, are, are, are more people coming? Yes, more people are coming. Little by little, more people are coming. I like it like that because I like to take care of my people. I don't want 100 new people to come. Amen. We can't take care of them. That's so why I tell our youth, youth leaders, we don't want 150 youth that we cannot take care of. But we can brag, we have 150 youth. No, no, no. The question is, are we taking care of them? When you have the number that you can take good care of them, it's hard enough as it is. So, where was I? How is your church doing? Um, Unity. Um, Unity brings this, this contentment. When people ask me, how is your church doing? Well, yes, we're growing. But the thing that is more exciting to me than anything else is that the people are growing in the Spirit. Right, amen. Amen. When people come over here, do you know, and, and, and I'm just sharing with my people, if you're new here and you've never been here before, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you. Um, people have walked, even in the building. Nobody in the building! This is a true testimony. I can tell you the name if you want to. Uh, she walked in and she says, I felt such a peace here. I haven't met anybody yet. Uh, Other people say, you know, there is a peace in your church. There is a contentment. My dear brothers and sisters, this is what unity brings. There is a contentment. There's no strife. There's no people on edge. There's no ego trips and power plays. And somebody always wanting to to be right. There is none of that stuff. Some of them don't want to be right. They just think they're right. (laughs) This is not going on here. And somebody has no problem to say, you know what? You have a better idea. That has happened to me several times. That one of the members had a better idea than me. And you say, well, that's no surprise. Well, you're right. (laughs) You know, it's not like I'm the only one that hears from God. Thank God they are hearing from God as well. You are. And so you bring to the table what God is sharing with you. And that is wonderful. And no one is saying, well, God hasn't told me about that. Well, Pastor, I've prayed about this. When you say you've been praying about it, I'm all ears, all ears, because when you hear from God, I want to hear what you heard. Amen. Anyways, so what are some of the hindrances to unity? Let me see if I'm there already. Uh, the bond of peace. Let me just talk about the bond of peace real quick. The, the bond, the word bond over there has the, uh, the, the connotation of magnet. Okay. It, 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 unity uh, draws peace. And by the same token, other people draw that peace. Unity brings peace to itself. And the peace that is here, that is drawn by other people to them as well. The bond of peace. Uh, And then I want to share with you real quick um, uh, some of the hindrances to unity. The number one hindrance to unity, in my opinion, um, this is just strictly my opinion, is the lack of humility, the lack of humility, pride, is maybe, in my opinion, it is the greatest hindrance to unity. Do I have to explain that? That, 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 that stands to reason, right? Okay. Uh, another hindrance to unity is Competition. Competition. In the, in the language of competition, it gives it completely away already. When you have uh, the Cowboys, oh, are, this is such a team. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Don't, don't be offended, don't be offended, don't be offended. What's a joke, what's a joke, don't be offended. When the Cowboys play against the Broncos, see that little word there between Cowboys and Broncos against? That says it already right there in competition. You're against. Or sometimes they use the the two letters, VS, like versus. The Cowboys versus the Broncos. That VS over that. The language of competition gives it completely away that this is no unity. This is against each other. This is not togetherness. Competition. So also it is true in, in, in competition between their husband and wife, between parents and children, uh, brothers and sisters, brothers and brothers, sisters and sisters. Don't go there. Another uh, is lack of submission. Oh, sorry. A crazy story came in my mind. I had not meant to tell this story at all. Let me just say this. We went to, on a trip to Israel, and there were three churches involved, Corpus Christi Christian Fellowship, Walter Road Baptist Church, and Emmaus Church were all three involved. Uh, I'm a pastor, as you know. Uh, an elder from Corpus Christi Christian Fellowship uh, came also along, and the mission director from Corpus Christi Christian Fellowship came also along. She is a female. She was the leader of the group. Right? So, that means that me as a pastor and her older brother, I get to submit to her. Yes? If she's going to be the leader, we get to submit to her. The elder of her church gets to submit to her. Now, she she has brains, so she knows that we have brains also. So, she is not saying, well, you just follow me and tell me whatever. That's not a good leader. A good leader is checking with the people of, the, of her group or his group as the people that would have expertise. What expertise do they have that they can bring to the table so we can have a better mission? We can have better results. That, that's just a good leader. But I am not the leader of that group. She was the leader. I get to follow her, and I get to submit. Even though I might bring a suggestion, if she doesn't like my suggestion, that's the end of the story. And she said to me afterwards that you're getting in line, you, 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 you're submitting. And her elder submitting made the trip what it turned out to be a success. Because, she says, the other people saw that you submitted and they stepped in line without having to prod and push and shove. Amen. Oh, I'm tempted to tell you this story. <laughs> Let me tell you the story. It's a little bit of a gross story. Don't, don't. <laughs> My wife says, Don't do it. <laughs> That's wisdom. That's wisdom. uh Just recently, I was. In a meeting with some pastors, and one of the pastors says, "Hey, when we're private, tell me that story one more time." <laughs> so I can't tell you the story. It, it had to be uh, had to do about submission and uh, coming under a leader. Uh, some of you I tell it privately or something one of these days. So unity. Uh, let me encourage you, dear brothers and sisters. Unity is a huge tool, a huge tool. Quickly, bring unity in your relationship. In the church, God has already provided the unity. Maintain it with all your might. With all your might, maintain unity in your marriages and in your families. Best you can. You don't have control over anything. But best you can. You make, you facilitate that unity in wherever relationship that you are. And protect it. And then be aware not to be prideful because that is a huge hindrance to, uh, to unity. And that there's no competition. You're not competing with somebody in your group that you're smarter or that you know it better, that you have more information or, or whatever, say, more education or whatever. It doesn't matter. What really truly matters more than anything else is unity. Um, I say one more, I make one more point, and then then I'm done. When there is unity, and, but there is some disagreement. Let us say, Lynn and I, we, we want to buy something, we're going to buy something for the church. We we are making that decision, and, uh, oh, that's actually happened in, in my life. And, so we are sitting at a table and discussing, what shall we, what shall we get? What, what, shall, what, what are we talking about? Large screen, TV. Large screen TV. How many inches do you want? A uh, hundred inches. I say to him, a hundred inches is a little bit too big. We, we, we don't have enough people, so the people have to look like this. <laughs> uh, and I say, let's go with 80, besides the fact that we, we probably cannot afford... 100, but we, mm, 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 we can afford the 80 maybe. Right? So, but he, he he's persuasive and we go with the 100. Right? Now, he is not deciding that. Right? That was just his suggestion. I am agree. We, the two of us are deciding that. That's it, right, Ruben? The two of us are, decide, are deciding that. This is not him. So, we are deciding to gather 100 inches. That's what we're going to buy. And then Nelda is asking, so why are you buying 100 inches? Well, that was not my idea. That was Lynn's idea. <laughs> See, I can't go there. It's not, that's not unity. I haven't defended unity one bit. I have actually brought some stuff between us. And in her mind, the same thing. But no, we decided it. Right? Okay, so I'm not telling anything to Nelda. So we, that's what we decided. So we thought that maybe that, that that was best between us. And so now we buy the 10-inch TV. Man, it was expensive. And my golly, it didn't quite fit. <laughs> <laughs> the, deal, the deal bombed. The thing bombed. The, I cannot say, well... Well, church, (laughs) (laughs) I cannot go there. And so when it is between me and Sybil, we don't go there. My son says, hey, Dad, how come you decided that? Well, it was Mom's decision. No, no, no. It was our decision. We decided that. I say, that's what we decided. And when it bombs, I don't tell Sybil, see, you should have gone mind. No, no. It bombs, and it's fine. That it bombs has no... Significant consequences, as far as I'm concerned. But if there's disunity, that is significant. I I don't want to go there. It's just not conducive to goodwill and good relationships. And to accomplish the purposes of God. Anyways. Unity. Fight for it, would you? Battle for it. Fight. Not fight with worldly weapons, but godly weapons. And battle for it. When you, when you sense things getting out of hand a little bit, that, oh, the unity is slipping away, retrieve it with all your might. Make the adjustments that you need to make to bring the unity. It's worth it. It is worth it. Let us stand and pray.